everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. On June the 7th, 2015, Coolidge, Arizona. Welcome all of you aboard today. We have quite a list uh, plugged in, and we welcome you. Thank you for tuning in to us. We're in studying the book of Acts, chapter 2. First of all, I want to take us back to where we were a couple, three weeks ago in Matthew 16 because of a comment that was made two weeks ago um, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, and I need to look at that in the interlinear as well uh, before I make my comments. And that will that will help us to zero in on why I'm bringing this up at this point. Uh, in verse 17, uh, we're looking at verse 19, but in verse 17, Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and we might add a parenthesis there, who is not flesh and blood, Um, And verse 18, I say also to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. Not anybody else's, but I will build mine. It, It is the beginning of a new age, worldwide, universal. It is the only acceptable universal rule for man is the church that Jesus established. That's why his throne is in heaven. And that's why it cannot be defeated by man. All secular governments must come under the spiritual government, spiritual because it's revealed. You know, any, anything that has been revealed and we respond to is is spiritual. All right. Now notice in verse nineteen, I will give you, and I want to I want to pick that up on the interlinear uh, to see what the you is, and then I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up. I will give unto thee, uh, or unto you, it's personal, it's pronoun, it's a, a second person, and uh, it is uh, singular. Oh, it is singular. So who is the thee? Look at verse 17. Blessed are you. Who's the you? All right. And that you is, again, uh, if we look that up in the interlinear, that's going to be... Now just pay attention, folks. All right. It also is singular. It is singular meaning that there are many, many yous, right? (laughs) And is he speaking to the apostles as a whole when he says, Peter, you in singular? You know, you folks are way too quick. 
Now I'm going to tell you why. Let's let's go on, go on, but hold on a minute. Uh, we've got to hear the rest of the story, as Ted said this morning. Um, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. What's the you there? All right. Let's let's see what that word is. Uh, that's uh, uh, I think that was uh, in verse 17. Um, yeah, verse 17. Okay, it is singular. Singular again. So flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, and somebody said, Peter, that's right, because Peter is the, uh, what's that? He's the subject here. He's talking to Peter. And then then he says in verse 18, I also say to you, in verse 18, let's look at the you here. All right, that's also singular. That's, that's the word soy. It's singular. That you are Peter, obviously that you are Peter, and upon this rock, not upon you, Peter, but upon the rock, the thing that you established in your confession of who you believe Jesus is, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. I will give you. I will give whom? Peter. All right, I will give Peter. That has not changed, has it? It is still, it is still singular. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Well, the reason I bring this up, folks, and you ought to zero in and get this clear. Last two weeks ago, we had a gentleman here who was very adamant in his view that all of us are the keys to the kingdom. Now, what's, the, what's wrong with that? That isn't the way it is. We are not all the keys of the kingdom. Only one person who Jesus gave the keys to, there's only one to whom Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to, and that was whom? Now, um, we need to remember that. The principle about, upon which the kingdom was established was given to Peter as the spokesman for the apostles and so when we come to Acts chapter 2, it is Peter on that day who is going to give us the keys to the kingdom and is the beginning of the church as in verse 47, which we're not quite there yet. So when it says you have the keys, it is you is, is singular. When it, when it says you are the kings... Um, he did not say that you are the keys. He says, you, I have given to you the keys. Peter was not the key to the kingdom. Right? Peter was not the key to the kingdom. He was the one to whom God gave the keys. And so if he had the keys and opened up the kingdom for all of the nations to become participant in, who should we follow in becoming a part of that 
which he opened. Peter. Peter. And that's where we are in Acts chapter 2. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. He wasn't the key. He wasn't the keys, and he wasn't the rock. And he wasn't the rock. That's right. The rock, again, was the testimony that he had given about who Jesus is. You cannot say that you, what you believe about Jesus without it having an impact on your life. You just cannot do that. Once you come to where you can say, I believe that Jesus is the supreme authority. That's what the word Lord means. The supreme authority and the Messiah, the one that God anointed to that supreme authority position. When you come to, through the Gospel of John, and that's what John is given to us for, so that we can come to a knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Check with me in John chapter 20. I'm going to, I'm going to read that. It may be redundant to all of you, but let, uh, let, me, uh, let me read it. And uh, welcome aboard those of you uh, up in um, the mountains in Arizona. You're, you're missing a, a, a little warmth today. I'm sure you're sorry for that. All right, look at chapter 20 of John. This is nothing new to any of us, but it just ties in with where we are right now. John 20 and verse 30. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But notice verse, so there's a lot of things that were going on beyond what is written, But you know what? If there is one truth in the Bible and you reject it, why do you need 30? Oh, I just don't have enough. Oh, you got enough. The problem you have is dealing with what you have. Mark Twain said, don't the difficult things of the Bible bother you? Mark Twain said, it's the things that I understand that keep me awake all night. And that's a good point. I think that's a a direct quote. All right. But, But verse 31 of John 20, these have been written. The things that you've got in your hand are sufficient so that you may believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God, and that believing you may. That's going to be conditional going to be conditional upon what you do with the keys. And that believing you may have life. Where? And see, that's the answer to the question, where? Because it's in the dative case, and it's a preposition, and the preposition is positional. In is positional. We are in this room. Are the folks out on the street, are they in this room as we speak? No. You all who are here are in this room. It's positional. It's telling you where you are. So believing you may have life, that's true. 
But you have to be in the right position. You have to be in his name, and name is the full disclosure of his nature and character. You have life when you are a participant in the nature, the character of Christ. That's what the word name means. People go around and say, Jesus, Jesus. I think they're cussing. You just got to trust in Jesus. That doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. Not unless you understand that his name represents and is a full disclosure of all that he is. There's where the life is. And once one understands from the Gospel of John, which is the purpose of its writing, of who Jesus the Messiah is, and you believe in that person of the Chosen One of God and his nature that he came to reveal about God and through his own life, then you have life. That's where the life contains. And Peter is giving us the keys how we enter that life. And that life is never separate from the conduct and the character of the one of whom we say we believe in. Is that clear? All right. The keys are the gospel message. How you enter the kingdom. That's what keys do. They open, they open the door that has not been opened before, and these keys open the door so that all nations can become equal participants in what God has provided, and that provision is called grace. Hey, hey Dave, i got a thought here for you. All right. Mike? I haven't heard of you for a long time. Hey, I was wondering if we got the camera working down there for you guys, but I guess not. We got I, uh, Dan I don't Verner know why, here. but we don't have. Yeah, we got we got uh, Dan and Verna with us today, and Abby and the kids. So we oh. had a little. I wish but we anyway, could see all of you, but good yeah. to hear that you're there. Yeah, we're here. Uh, what, what I'm seeing here in the verses that we just went through, you know, you, you hear mainstream, I'll say we got to invite Jesus into our heart. It appears by these verses that we just read, we got to have Jesus accept us into his heart. <laughs> you know, right. just, you got it, Michael. You know, I've got your name down here with a big A. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> no, but that's right. We don't invite Jesus into our heart. It is our responsibility to do, you know, to, to uh, do what is required for us to, to be in him. That's right. Perfect. Good. Okay, so now we have another thing in Acts chapter 2. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. That, that's a good thought, Mike. Yep, really well put together. I like that. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. And we were in verse... Um, We we were in the 
Let's start with verse 37 because I'm, I'm trying to pick up now with where we were. Uh, but I wanted to deal with the statement that was made two weeks ago on uh, when it says, you, are, you, are, you, Peter, are the key. I'm giving to you the keys. I'm giving, to, I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom. It was given to Peter and to Peter only. We have no privilege of making any conditions other than what Peter has given. No conditions. And so when Peter say. When people say that we are all the keys, they are saying that we all, because of their using use of the King James, which we went over last week, two weeks ago as well, is that, that whatever keys we proclaim is what is bound in heaven. Remember that? Yeah. Well, that's, that's not true. It, we, we made the distinction last week between the King James and all of the and the Greek and the other translations that which have most of them have made it right that Jesus is saying what has already been established in heaven and we have no right to mess with that and the denominational world today even though they would not say that straight out they practice that all right we want to avoid it let's go to another thing now in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pierced of the heart. We've already talked about all of these things. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the whom? All right, so they knew who to address. You see, that's the apostolic authority that we talked about four or five weeks ago. Apostolic authority, that's key. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Isn't that interesting? They went to the apostles, Peter as their spokesman, but they knew the ones who had insight to the thinking of God on the issues of which they're addressing. They didn't go to the church council or the board. They went to the apostles because they are acknowledging here that all authority rested had been given to the apostles including Peter, by Christ. That's an important thing to remember because that separates the Lord's church from all the other churches in Coolidge. Apostolic authority. Apostolic authority. Apostolic authority. All right, you got the point. Now, Peter said to them, what shall we do? In answer to the question, what shall we do? Um, he says, get your thinking in alignment. And that's what the word repent. The word repent comes from metronome. And it means to get in step with. So if you're out of step, that's what constitutes sin. Out of step with God's design for human life. If you're out of step with that, you need to get your thinking in alignment, in agreement with what God has given to us you can't do that through law I mean civil law doesn't work never has never will I thought that uh, repent meant to be humbled uh, humiliated uh, made to feel uh, less than nothing etc 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 in the confessional well that's true providing your, your name is Nolan <laughs> But to the rest of us, that is not the meaning of repentance. Yeah, because this in-step thing sounds a lot uh, 
a lot friendlier to me. Well, it's it's positive, isn't it? It's positive. You know, let's let's not. Yeah, let's let's not dwell on what you've done wrong. That's what I don't don't like about politics. It's always focused on what's wrong. I think it keeps a lot of people away from the body. Well, sure it does. Because they're afraid of the shame. That's that's the purpose of civil government, is to keep people away from the divine government of God. Every element of it is uh, is perversion and it's idolatrous. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't know why we can't see that. But any anyway, here, um, repentance, look at the word. Make sure I'm right, um, Alex, that it, it is the word. Because there are some, there are different words, and I, but I think that that's correct. All right, there it is, metronome, right up there. See? It even looks that way in the English, doesn't it? Well, see, see the word? Metronome. Um, so it just, it just means we all know what a metronome does. It's consistent. It's a little device that people learn to play the piano with or instruments on, and it's a timing. But it's to keep time, and so, yeah. It'll set you straight. So what you do is you either speed up your piano playing, Sharon, or you slow it down to keep in uh, in agreement and in alignment with the metronome. Or yeah, or you speed it up. Or no. But you see, the standard that we have to measure up to is not changeable. It's established, and the authority is now in heaven. It cannot be changed. So. He says, first of all, and I like that. I like that illustration, Nolan, because that's how people think of it. Well, David also takes. Well, we've been talking about the feelings. You know, it takes that element out of it. Yeah. You know, it's less feelings and more decision. Action. Yeah. What, what less mean? feelings and more action. More. That's right. It it just means to get yourself in step with what's right. Can I inject something here? No. Take the microwave. Go for it, Ted. I, I don't know where it is. A lot of things I don't know where it is. I know where it is, but I don't know where. Okay? Okay. Christ said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. what this is all about. And his commandments. Yeah. Not Moses's, but no. his. His commandments. His commandments. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's the big umbrella, right? And then the rest of the epistles give us the fine tuning of what that means. That's in First John. How to do it? Yeah, they they tell us how to do it. How to live? Right. And the definition of that is all in, like First Corinthians um, eleven and twelve. But folks, that's right. Here, get in step with. And particularly, he's been talking here about what issue? About what they think about Christ. So bring your, bring your thinking into alignment to the, with the facts. What John talked about in, in John 20. Bring your thinking in alignment with what has been granted to us about Christ. 
thinking as the Bible thinks, thinking as God thinks, we can. We are given the capability of thinking like God thinks. And repentance is in bringing our thinking into how God thinks. And the Bible is the revelation of how God thinks through Christ and then through those whom Christ appointed the apostles. That's how we learn God's thinking. And we have been given a gift of God by a God capable of understanding his thinking in those areas that we need to be in agreement with his thinking. We're, we're not infinite beings. We are finite beings, but in our finiteness, God has given us the capability of understanding everything pertaining to life that we need to know, and we need to bring our lives in harmony with that. That's metronome. That's the word repentance. Do we repent once and that's it? Well, initially, yes. Initially, we repent to change our thinking about who we think Christ is. And he has just said that this Christ has been proclaimed whom you crucified because of sin. Uh, The one whom you have crucified has been made Lord, the supreme authority. So you have to change your thinking about the Lordship of Christ. He represents the supreme authority. That's what it means to believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that he is the anointed one. And folks, if he is the anointed one with supreme authority, that's what they are reacting to and asking, boy, if that's the case, what are we going to have to do? Peter is answering the question to that. You have to bring your thinking into alignment with who Jesus is. Specifically here, that's what he's talking about. Any questions? Any argument? Even my dog's gone to sleep. Even Rufus is sleeping. What am I going to do? Oh, we've got to hurry up. I'm not even going to get through the introduction here today. You see, that's what happens when I take a week off. You could could preach a sermon on that word. Oh, I could. I have already have. But I'm going to charge you for it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But we have to repent. We're always in the process. That's why we study is to give us how to repent, how to get our thinking right. And see, we don't get off on tangents. If we're always in the process of repenting, I do, but you all ought not. All right, I got to give. I got to deal with one more thing, and I'm not. I'm not going to get through with it. But we're in two thirty-eight of Acts. Peter said to them, <clears throat> to the people who had asked the apostles, uh, uh, trying to access apostolic authority. How do we deal with our thinking about Jesus? He has told them what that is and who Jesus is. Now he's going to tell them how they can deal with it. So repent. That's a big word. And we could dwell on that week after week, and you know, we still wouldn't get it. 
I expect people to hear something like that and for it to change their thinking. And we shouldn't have to talk about it again. You know, if we hear it once, how many times do we have a right to hear a truth and not respond? Huh? Yeah, but you ought, ought, ought not have to. You ought not have to say the same thing twice if we were clear the first time and we heard it the first time. That should be adequate. See, that's the test of our motive and of our sincerity is what we do with truth the first time we hear it. That might not be a skill that most have cultivated when they first hear this, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with that. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. There's just too much baggage. We put well, oh. through our own brains. You know. Folks, we have a lot of baggage. Yeah, and, and I think you have to hear it more than Mom's more. got a lot of baggage. It took me five minutes to get it out of the back of my truck and into the front coming in here. <laughs> That's baggage. Well, one thing, when, you, when you're studying something, this is the way I, I study anyhow, and I think most people are that way. When you study something, you get an overview, and then you have to go back and get the details. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you have to have that overview to make sure that you want to go back and get the details. Is it worth it? This we wouldn't even realize that that's a problem. See, we need to, we need to, you know, be, before you can solve a problem, you have to identify the problem. All right, folks, our time is up, and I didn't even get to the main point, and which is the rest of this verse, because I was asked specifically two weeks ago to address what I, the statement that I made in verse 38, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I want to deal with that. And I want to deal with that thoroughly. But uh, two things I'm going to lay out right now before we close. One is that it does not say, here is what it does not say. It does not say, receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. You see that? That isn't what it says. It says, if you repent, that is, get your thinking in alignment with truth, and are baptized, that's the word immersed, in the name or into the name, into the very character of Christ for the purpose of having your sins forgiven, you will receive not the Holy Spirit as a gift. There is no translation that says it that way, but that's how we read it. Why do we read what isn't there? It does not say you will receive the Holy Spirit as a gift, but you will receive the gift that has been provided by the Spirit. It's the word doria. It means the provision of. And we'll talk about that next Sunday. Hold, hold, you know, um, uh, keep your powder dry till then. Till we meet again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the truth is always a challenge, and we love challenges. May we continue to love challenges and to bring our mind into agreement with the truth of those challenges. In Jesus' name, amen.